Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Storm King's Teddy, session 19. Uh, just got done with that last night. How you doing, Kat? Doing pretty well. How about you? All right. Um, so we had a session last night that kind of, I think, got derailed by uh, everybody shopping. And uh, I actually had a lot of fun doing it. I did too. Um, towards the end of the session, I I made the comment saying, like, you know, it felt like all of us were just kind of like hanging out, chatting more than it was like D and D. Yeah, uh, Teddy said he definitely had an encounter planned for us, and uh, we never got around to it because um, everybody was spending money, and um, we'll tell you how on this uh, recap. So, um, so yeah, let's uh, let's talk real quick about. Um, a little follow up from last session. We were talking about the potential of, uh, quote unquote cheating and taking the Silverwind or, um, renamed Tortured Turtle Ship, um, from Stormreach all the way around, um, down to the, uh, Blue Spire Peaks and, uh, didn't know if, that was going to be a viable option. And Teddy said, yeah, right? Yep. It was, he laid out a lot of options for us to take. Um, some by wind, some, some by wind, uh, blah, blah, blah. uh, some by foot, some by, um, sea, and then some by like a mutual combination of the both, um, where you, we take the silver wind to X destination. Then we kind of like river boat down the river and then we continue on foot from there. Yeah. So, uh, taking a look at the continent of Zendrick, um, you see storm reach at the North and we had kind of, um, I, I don't know, four or five options. The first was to traverse the entire thing by foot, that we could just start at Stormreach and head south. And that, uh, and I think this was actually the method that Teddy would prefer, just listening to the way that he presented things. Um, and also, possibly the most lucrative for the party, because obviously this used to be, I think the way he described it was kind of Atlantis. Um, and we had a chance to explore it and come up with all sorts of cool relics and artifacts and, and treasure. Um, so there was, that was one option. Um, take, take the land route the entire way. Uh, we would be provided with mounts. And then we could also take, um, a, like a barge you know, something, uh, something small with a shallow draft and take it down some of the, uh, canals going south. Um, and I believe that that would end up that after we took those, then we would have to, um, switch to land, uh, right around the obsidian city. Um, then there was the option to take the silver wind over to the uh, marsh, marsh of Desolation. And then um, we would have to transfer to the smaller barges and go down the Hydra. 
and there were several places along the Hydra that um, I think that there were uh, potential quests. And I'll get to that in a minute. And then um, another option was to uh, take uh, the Silver Wind uh, through the Thunder Sea over to, uh, was it Zantashk? Uh, yeah. And it's a small port town. Uh, it probably could accommodate the Silver Wind, but probably only one ship of that size at a time. So we didn't know what that was going to be like. And then hoof it down um, uh, by um, the Ring of Storms, Lake, uh, the Dread Lake, and then uh, farther south. Or we could uh, brave the Thunder Sea the entire way around the East Coast and um, head south and um, come in on the east side of the Blue Spire Peaks. But if we did that... He said that if we did not come down from the Dread Lake, that we would be facing some sizable cliffs to climb. So uh, I think that was uh, universally regarded as a bad idea. You think? Uh, the, yeah. The more time we're on a boat, the more time Tabane does not want to be on it. So Yeah, I mean, it's a universally bad idea for you regardless, but... Um, yeah, every option is bad for Tabane. <laughs> unless uh, we walk the entire Unless we time. walk, right. Um, so I I don't actually remember which of the options we were going to go with, but I thought we were going to take a land route from Stormreach to uh, Last Chance, because I guess there is a quest there involving a um, a giant that is wailing at night, sobbing, crying, whatever. And they would like to have that looked into. So um, by way of quests, a lot of the Storm Lords or prominent citizens of Stormreach gave us things they would appreciate us trying to do on our uh, on our foray out into the wilderness. Um, so, um, let's see, we should be safe from the traveler's curse because we're taking, um, what's his nuts? The giant, our snatch. Um, <clears throat> we're taking him with us as a guide. Um, and, um, we were told that the Obsidian City should be avoided at all costs, and that is, so from north to south, um, if, as we leave Stormreach, we should run into um, the Throne Gate ruins, uh, ruins, and then Last Chance, then the Obsidian City, which they said we should avoid, and uh, then we would be in an area called the Titan's Teeth before we... Um, made it to uh, the Hydra. Um, so I think what we were planning was going south uh, to Last Chance, then hitting the coast, having the Silver Wind pick us up there, moving around the that uh, peninsula, the Skyfall Peninsula, 
um, and then to the Marsh of Desolation, and then taking riverboats down the Hydra. Is that the last plan you knew of? Um, I think that was the plan most everyone just silently agreed to. Um, the first part, I don't, I interpret it as, um, of course, we are like two sides of the same coin. Um, I interpreted that we would leave Stormreach from the Silverwind to Last Chance, do what we needed there, then take the Silverwind back around the peninsula and into the Hydra, which is like a, like a, a series of rivers. And oh, then river okay. So, so you thought we were, uh, boating to last chance, taking yeah. care of whatever that was, and then getting back on and going around. Yeah, that was how I interpreted it. I, I don't think we actually decided on how to start, whether it was to walk there and have the Silverwind meet us there, or if we're just taking Silverwind there, doing our thing, taking Silverwind back to the Hydra, and then boating down or whatever. Um, I'm pretty sure we'll all figure that out next session and get into the nitty gritty details of it. Okay. Um, so either way, um, but other than that, uh, you believe the rest of it is accurate that regardless of how we get to last chance, we're then taking silver wind around skyfall peninsula to the marsh of desolation, then getting on the, uh, river boats or whatever. And, um, and going down the Hydra. Yep. Okay. And then we'll just shimmy our way along, along down the Hydra, hit a point of interest there for a quest, movie, move on from there, hit another point of interest, and just keep on going down, and just kind of like knocking off points of interest on our way to our actual goal. Okay, which so... Which is the, the peak of Blue Spine Peaks. Yeah, the Blue Spine Peaks. Um, and then I, I keep wanting to call them Blue Spire Peaks for some reason. Um, okay. So the, um, the quests that we were kind of handed and there, most of these are not, um, actually I don't think any of them are, are mandated. It's just, Hey, while you're out, there's some things that you could do. Uh, Lady Omarin, uh, she believes that near the pyramid of the ebb and flame, which is, I'm going to say, Halfway down the Hydra, uh, roughly. Um, so uh, there's an airship that was bringing supplies from abroad. Uh, the airship was called the Star Goddess, and she would like us to investigate what happened to it, bring back a report, and also, if possible, uh, the cargo that it was carrying. Uh, so that's what Omarin handed us. Uh, let's see. Oh, sorry. I had to drink. All right. Um, my voice is ragged today for some reason. Um, Varen Lassite, um, didn't have anything for us, but Tick Tick showed up and said that some of the Thrykreen or Thrykeen, I don't know how that's pronounced. Uh, they've been leaving, uh, like hearing a song or a calling of some kind. I think it's the gathering and they're Highlanders. Um, and they're relocating out of Stormreach and going to what, uh, Tick Tick referred to as the old hive. Uh, and, um, Zendrick's local, um, population refer to it as, uh, Briona's well, 
which is just south of the Dread Lake. So that would be in our, uh, taking a look at our map, that would be like the last of these quests that we would hit before we went on to the Blue Spine Peaks. Um, who else was there that gave us stuff? Um, there was Lady Kira Shelsadra, who gave us a quest at last chance about the Wailing Giant, um, about it being cranky at night. Um, do, 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 Jonas Wilkes, um, had, he didn't really have a quest out in Zendrick for us to do. He just was like a general broad area of just like, hey, just give me information about anything about the Kraken Society, you know, the people with the tattoos, tattoos, yeah, that we've been with dealing with. Yep. Yeah. Um, so he's he said like he'll pay for any information, whether they're dead or alive. Um, obviously more if they're alive. Um but you know, there wasn't really much else from him. Yorick um just wants to extend his life more. And he heard about the um about a tree, like a very um old or i don't know if it's old but it was like a very prominent tree um and um a lot of the trees meet the description that was given to us and i think it was called like the grandfather tree or something along the lord yeah the lot, that's right lines that um and you know it's um supposedly it's supposed to have like some restorative properties um, and of course, York wanting to extend his life and, you know, stay alive as long as possible. He's super into it. And we have to bring back a, an acorn to him. And he's, and it was, Teddy said it, he would pay out like five figures for like this acorn or something like it. But it's also known that there might be, um, dryads and like barbarians and like some other hostile creatures around the tree. So, we can probably do it, but I highly suspect a fight isn't going to occur for it. So. Yeah, I said a whole, like, coven of dryads was around that area. Um, there is a, uh, I think I mentioned the Ring of Storms. It's a area where um, it's like the storms there haven't died down for hundreds of years. Um, and wasn't that... The, uh, I thought there was something that was around the Ring of Storms, too. Um, um I think that was a tree was around the Ring of Storms. Okay. Um, because I think we would do Last Chance for Curious, then head down the Hydra, hit Pyramid of Ebon Flame for Amarin, then go down a little further, hit the tree for. Uh, York, then go down a little further and do the thing for Tick Tick, and then after Tick Tick, we would hit the Blue Spine Peaks. Now, I have no idea if we're gonna, as a team, if we're gonna do all of these in that order and do the Blue Spine Peaks last, or if we're gonna do it on our way back, you know? Like maybe we'll do Tick Tick's whole first, and then on our way back to Storm Breach, we'll hit them up in that order. So there is, there's definitely, um, something to be said for doing it both ways. Um, I mean, if we, while we're fresh and have, you know, all of our gear and all that sort of thing, you know, hitting the main objective first and then doubling back. Um, but also, 
there's something to be said for doing all of these quests as we go because we'll be increasing our experience, our character level. We'll also be probably acquiring new magic items, that sort of thing. So I agree. Um, and, and speaking from like a game mechanic point of view, I don't think we'll be gaining any levels on this trip. I feel like even if we do all the extra side quests, I feel like we have to report back and then we will get the reward slash experience for completing these side quests. Um, so I don't, I don't suspect we'll gain a, a lick of a level, um, doing any of this while we're out there. I could be wrong. There could be, like, random encounters or stuff that wasn't part of, that we didn't know about that could give us experience and levels, but I personally think we have to, whichever order we do it, doing them first or doing them last on our way back, we're not going to reap the rewards from it um, experience-wise until we're back at Stormreach. I would I would go the other direction and say that um, these side quests are intended to give us experience on our way and uh, levels and that sort of thing so that by the time that we reach the Blue Spine Peaks, we are actually tough enough to take on the final boss. If this is the final boss. Um, yeah, that's true. I, I, I don't know that that's the case. Uh, this could just be uh, another step in the... You know, there's, uh, if this is the final boss battle, well, I think it is at least for this act. Um, yes, I would agree with that. So, um, but if it is the final boss battle of the module, um, then I would say, uh, you know, we've got a lot of, uh, Zendrick that we weren't able to, uh, explore, uh, even after we get this done. So, uh, yeah, you could be right. This may not be the, the final, final battle. Um, it just, but I do think that when we hit the blue spine peaks, that that's where we're going to hit the boss battle of this, um, this particular act and possibly the module. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, um so I already, I, I, so I have a theory of how the module's uh, going to end. You want to hear it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and just so you know, uh, if I happen to guess correctly, it's, it is a guess. I've never played this module before. I, I haven't looked anything up about this module because I don't want it spoiled, but it is fun to sit and, and try and figure out what you think is going to go on. Um, so we're collecting all the pieces of this, um, starts with a no, the Titanic relic. Horary? Yeah. So, and I think that it was mentioned that it was essentially built to undo one event. And my guess is that that event will be the assassination of the queen. Or yeah. possibly. Um, going further back? Farther back, yeah. Uh, so I think that that's going to be the, um, I would say that the giants would want it to go farther back and erase what happened or maybe even the shattering of that moon so that they wouldn't be 
uh, attacked by the dragons. But I think it would serve our our, our current goal uh, just to stop the giants from revolting if the uh, queen were not assassinated. What do you think? Um, I would tend to agree. Yeah, like if 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 our goal is to quell the the giants, the only outstanding thing that would um, potentially tame the giants is just undo the death of the queen. Um, you're right by going further back, you know, that could benefit some more, but I feel like going back would then maybe cause too much of a difference down the line. I don't know. Bringing someone back from the death and undoing their, their, that event means that we weren't never coming to Zendrick in the first place because she's alive. I don't know. There's time travel and Stuff uh, like that. It's well, weird. the the Titanic relic will make us immune to paradox. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I don't know that for sure. Could tear us apart. Um, so um, we needed a week in order to get ready for this quest, and that was because Prue put in a order. Not this wasn't solely on Prue's order, but. Uh, Prue put in an order for 100 bullets for her gun and Portia was going to make them all. And she already had so many other irons in the fire that it was going to take her a full week to get those other projects caught up and Prue's bullets made. Is that how you understood it? Yeah. Um, and, (laughs) and in that week's time, um, we received... 15,000 gold, so 2,500 gold each from our involvement in the um, saving Stormreach. And (laughs) let's talk about how we spent that money. And man, did it get spent. (laughs) Uh, Um, Some of us had practical purchases. Yeah, yeah. Others had pretty whimsical purchases so let's talk about um the well and maybe it'll end up being practical (laughs) um and still whimsical um so there were the the storm lords basically had agreed to equip us for a six-month journey so we didn't have to worry about rations or you know uh climbing gear cold weather gear anything like that um, but anything that was not standard fare, for instance, healing potions or, you know, um, anything that was, um, very, very costly, that wasn't really just standard stuff. Um, we had to come up with a, on our own. Everything non-magical, I believe is how it was put. Well, like, that's within reason. Yeah, that's not true either because we couldn't get full plate. That's not magical. Well, it's true. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I think that it was, uh, and that was the term within reason. So, um, they weren't going to spend, I mean, just equipping rations was a big deal. If you took a look at the pricing on that, oh, yeah. um, you know, six months rations for, 
the six of us and also the um our mounts uh and our uh you know riley and everybody else right so uh that would have been a fairly big bill all on its own um but uh okay so you and i went to the omarin steelworks and yeah we won I was hoping to get some armor from her, which I probably easily could have. Um, I could have just gotten it like a standard, um, standard full plate ar- armor, and you probably could have gotten the same thing as well. But you know, I think we both were kind of looking for more, and um, unfortunately, Omarin doesn't deal with that. She just, um, as Teddy puts it, is just dealing with raw materials. And those materials then get distributed out. So, yes, it's possible to get full plate from her and, like, some raw materials. But, you know, anything more than that, kind of out of the, her abilities. Um, which was unfortunate coming from Tabane's perspective. It's because she really wanted to get something from Amarin. But what we did get, um, Teddy reassured me that it was steel from Amarin anyways. So, she's happy. Yeah, and uh, I was surprised, too. I actually thought we were going to end up getting our stuff from Amarin because uh, I got my knife from there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was very well crafted. And Teddy did mention that she had craftsmen on retainer, but that wasn't really her purview. It was more like you said, raw materials, ingots of metal, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. so what was the name of the place that we ended up going to? Oh, uh, black iron I smithy. I don't remember the name of the place. I think it was black iron smithy. Wasn't it? Uh, Hular? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, um, we were referred to Hular over at black iron smithy and we went over there. I was looking for. I was actually looking for non-magical full plate that was engineered in such a way that I could get it on and off faster than normal heavy armor. And I, I assumed that was going to be, um, that request would probably be met with a 500 gold piece, uh, bump to make it like a, uh, item of quality or something like that. And then I could shed it or put it on like as fast as medium armor, maybe, um, you know, I was hoping for light armor, but that that's kind of a stretch for getting in and out of something like full plate. Um, but I was, I thought, you know, just to make it something interesting, uh, something unique. And, uh, what ended up happening was, Teddy said that would probably fall more in the purview of magic. And so I think that the standard rate for putting a spell on a piece of armor or a plus value, a plus one value was 1500 gold plus the items base value. So with 1500, um, for the armor and another 1500 for the spell. It was going to be 3000 But because we had saved the city, we got a 500 gold piece discount 
and it was going to cost 2,500 gold to get either plus one armor or to have regular plate with this enchantment on it that would, it would literally take one action to take on or to put on or take off. Um, so yeah. What did you go with? Um, I will say, um, that the armor you chose, uh, ever since playing a tabaxi in our other D and D campaign, I feel like my inner tabaxi was screaming at me to take your, the armor you chose because it was so cool and it was unique. And I was like, Oh, I want it. I don't care uh, what it does. I'm like, that's cool. Like it's a magical girl transformation armor. Awesome. Um, um, like there's so many possibilities of that. And it's really cool that it just is like command word or, you know, do the, the sing a song, do a dance, you know, and then you get your armor put on. Um, so I really wanted that. If you were going to turn that down, I would have taken it in a heartbeat. But I was thinking more practical, and I'm just like, all right, I'll just... There There wasn't any other... There was there was one other um, magical plate armor, and it was like... Uh, oh, what was the term for it? It was like comfy or like sleepy or something like that. Oh, yeah, you could... Uh, that was actually pretty cool, too. You could, it would inflate and keep you warm at night, like you were in a bedroll and it was comfortable, uh, so that you could sleep in the armor without taking exhaustion. Um, yes. So that was actually pretty cool too, because then you wouldn't have to take it off in the first place. Yep. Um, I was tempted to get that, but you know, magical girl transformation armor, um, that's cooler. Uh, but I, I think I had my heart set on plus one um, plate armor, and that's indeed what I chose. Um, and every single coin we got as a reward went straight back to the armor, which, you know what? I'm fine with. Armor's yeah. pretty expensive, especially plus one magical armor. You know, it, it's it's exponential, not um, uh, in cost, so it can get pretty damn expensive. Um, so the fact that... I wish I had a little bit more to spend for myself, but I still had that initial like 500 or so coins. So I'm like, all right, I can still kind of work around um, buying some other stuff. But, you know, not having to take out my own pocket and just using that reward and straight up turning it around for uh, plus three in AC um, is great. Yep. Um, So the way that, uh, and I think that there's going to be more times that you get benefit out of your plus one armor than there's going to be benefit for the uh, jumping armor that I got uh, that'll jump on and off of me. Um, But, um, yeah, it's unique. It's just interesting. So, and the way that I understood it, um, I can do the command word, and as long as it's not somehow impeded and within my line of sight, It'll come over to me and wrap itself around me. Yep. Um, and then I can all, and that's with, but I do have to use an action. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's actually pretty cool. Um, heavy armor, uh, on or off in, uh, one round. That's pretty, that's pretty good. Um, and so, 
in the late seventies, I used to watch a show called, I think it was called freedom force, um, Saturday morning cartoons. And it was like ISIS and Hercules and Merlin and, oh geez, I can't remember. Um, but there were like five, uh, fairly well known, um, supers kind of in, in this, uh, freedom force cartoon, except for this one guy. I can't, I don't even remember his name, like Tashi or something like that. And he could say the words super samurai and he would turn into this really tall armored giant. So I think my command word to, to get into the armor is going to be uh silver samurai as a nod to both the cartoon and the church of the silver flame. So, uh, that'll be my magical transformation word. That's good. I <laughs> honestly, I wouldn't consider, I don't know what I would consider if I had it. <laughs> um, so, uh, so that took me to a, a new AC of 20 because, uh, plate, gives me 18 my shield gives me two so that took me to 20 from 18 you went to 21 from 18 by getting the plus one and then i decided to also purchase a plus one shield and turn my old shield in as well okay so that took me up to a 21 as well I was going to say, I'm like, weren't you at 21 as well? But then, yep. you, then you mentioned the plus one shield. And I'm like, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Uh, uh, and, yeah. But to get that, I had to borrow another, how much was it, 35 gold from you? Yeah, it's fine. It's nothing. Yeah, but uh, I mean, I'm into you for the better part of 350 gold now. Don't worry about it. I mean, we're. I think we're all pretty tapped out on funds right now. Um, I, don't, I can't speak for um, Lars or crew um i don't know how their funds look but i do know that um portia said she was pretty low i'm pretty low you had to borrow from me um and winifred went on a splurging spree (laughs) yes so and um i don't i don't think lars is out of money because he uh loaned uh he loaned mask the the remainder of what he needed so um Oh, so you also picked up a bag of holding, yeah? Yes, indeed I did. Um, I really wanted one from Porsche, and uh, um, because you know higher quality, helping out a friend, you know, investing into um, the business and everything. I really wanted one from Porsche, but I think that would have like delayed us a week and slash overworked her. So I'm just like, uh, like I really want one from her, but I'm I don't want to overwork her more than she's already done to herself. And so I'm just like, I'll just, I'll bite the bullet. I'll just get some random cheapy, not so cheap, um, crappy, you know, like bag of holding that someone else had. And that's indeed what I did. I hope in the future, if there's time before the end of the module, maybe I could upgrade to one from Porsche, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. There was also now, um, so there was either a plus one scimitar or a plus one rapier, maybe both that got taken. Do you remember who picked those? Um, 
Prue was asking for the scimitar, but I think she, um, it was a, a, almost out of her price range, and then she went for the rapier instead. Which was 50 gold more. It was like 500 for the scimitar and 550 for the rapier. I don't remember prices. Um, I, I just remember that she went for the rapier instead of the scimitar. So, um, let's see. Uh, uh, uh. Okay. So... I don't remember what Lars bought. Did he buy anything? Um, one of those axe beak things, the uh, Final Fantasy. Um, yeah. Um, I don't actually remember what Lars bought. I don't think he bought anything, but he had. He must have bought something. Okay. Well, so this started, we were talking mounts because, uh, the storm reach said they would buy us either each a, a regular mount, or they would buy us one like giant mount and then like three regular mounts. And, um, so it came up that there were dinosaurs available and immediately mask decides we need a stegosaurus or a spineback is the, as they call them. So <laughs> this started, uh, the entire rabbit hole. And I don't know, did we spend an hour on this? Maybe well, at least almost. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was a very, very in-depth, um, sidetrack that I don't think any of us really, saw coming Uh, yeah this was a this was a rabbit hole i didn't see um so (laughs) um had their heart dead set on a uh, stegosaurus and uh decided that the stegosaurus needed a name so we started every every uh most everyone started throwing names out into chat (laughs) as what we should call the stegosaurus. So, um, I believe in order mask put forward big chungus, uh, Lars put forth, uh, champ big boy. (laughs) Um, and also mask came right back with the thickness with two C's. Um, and then you put up nom nom, and <laughs> this is actually where I started getting involved because I was watching these roll through and I'm like, <laughs> it's, it's entertaining, but nothing had just really struck me until mask, put Lord, he coming <laughs> <laughs> into the chat. I'm like, all right, I got to get in on this now. So, uh, yeah, that made me laugh a lot. Uh, Chonkosaurus was the next one. Uh, then you put forth big thickness or no, I'm sorry. That was, uh, yeah, you said big thickness. Uh, and then, uh, or, and, but mask came back and said biggest, thickiest. Um, and then, um, I, I don't remember all of them, but, um, <laughs> Chikasaurus dump truck. That was Lars. <laughs> 
There's a theme going on, if nobody could tell. Um, and then, uh, so I put forth uh, Stegzilla. Uh, then Mass put it put forth Tectonic Shift. I liked that one. Um, Mac Truck was Lars. I put Spine L Tap. Um, and then <laughs> Big Rig, Big Rig, Bub Rub. <laughs> Lars, if you can't tell, um, and then um, uh, Spanx with an X, that was me. Uh, Richter scales, I liked that one too. That was a really good one. That was mask. Uh, I, I put Lego my stego. <laughs> uh, man, uh, I was having a lot of fun with all the names. I also then put forth uh, Stegolus in uh, in honor of uh, Lord of the Rings, and the winner was uh, I think that it ended up with three names: Richter, Stegolus, Scales. <laughs> uh, very, very proper name. Yes. Um, so that went on for quite some time, and this was just naming the thing. So. I thought that that was kind of where the the rabbit hole was going to come to an end, but oh no! <laughs> Mask then decided that not only did we need a Stegosaurus, we needed something for the Stegosaurus to haul, and at first it was going to be a cart. Simple enough. Throw your gear in there, and off you go. But I don't think that was going to be enough. <laughs> so we started talking about um, essentially having a enclosed wagon that had uh, places for us to sleep or it started out with just uh, places for uh, masks to sleep. And <laughs> it ended up being like a full-blown RV. <laughs> yeah. So uh, not, not just like a, full-blown rv it was a luxurious full-blown rv you know with its own little tower for our um for what mass claimed our ballista turret um aka Prue. um and yeah it was you know i think um teddy said it could house up to like eight people it had heating and cooling and it had like um like air crystals on the bottom of it so it would like very it would kind of like float slash levitate just a little bit off of the ground, you know? Um, so yeah, it went to yeah. a very different uh, tone once it was just like from a cart to like a little tent on top of it to a mobile home to now it was like pimp my ride. <laughs> and yeah. So, you know, a refrigerator and a kitchenette and I mean, the, <laughs> and it even, even said, I think he said it came with a radio, <laughs> and we could, I think, for an extra, I don't know, a few hundred gold, they could have put a, a liquid crystal TV in it. Yeah, <laughs> but we passed on the TV. Um, but it was, yeah. So this it became, uh, as we were describing it, Howl's Moving Castle. Um, and so. All of the, all of the upgrades and the um, uh, shenanigans around that—that that was a lot of fun. 
Let's not forget that uh, Mask also spent on armor for the Stegosaurus. Or, sorry, Richter Scales. That's right. Uh, bought chain barding for it. Yep. So, um, yeah, so all of the... Yeah, that was quite expensive. So the RV um, and the... I mean, the Stegosaurus was on uh, Stormreach, but the barding wasn't. So between the barding and the ultimate rv uh we <laughs> I, I think mask uh, uh spent themselves into oblivion um that was <laughs> but that was a lot of fun now um it, certainly not the classical uh sword and sorcery D D that uh, i grew up with but still an awful lot of fun <laughs> no it's eberron eberron's pseudo modern it's steampunk you yep. know Absolutely. So, There's a lot more to learn from Eberron that I'm clearly learning. Yeah. and Well, I mean, I'm not even used to firearms in D&D. But, um, you know, it's uh, that's taken some getting used to. The only place that I'd ever uh, encountered firearms playing D&D before, uh, before this was um, when we did Spelljammers in 2nd Edition. Mm-hmm. So... Um, and I think the way that I want to say that the way the damage worked in the firearms uh, for second edition Spelljammer was uh, rifle would do one d10 damage, but if you rolled a ten, you rolled another d10, and if you rolled a ten, you rolled another d10, and so on and so forth. Oh wow! Yeah. So um, I mean, was was it likely you were going to get more than? Um, 10 points of damage out of it. Well, there was a 10% chance. And then, uh, you know, so maybe up to, you know, 19. But yeah, every time you rolled a 10, you just kept rolling dice. So, um, so a little different now. Um, I was surprised, speaking of all the purchases we made, I was surprised that magical ammunition cost as much as it did. Um, not just bullets, but also like, uh, crossbow bolts and that sort of thing. Um, I know that it's the same amount of enchantment. I mean, a plus one is a plus one is a plus one, right? But, uh, for, uh, for an expendable item, I mean, if you shoot an arrow and you can't recover it or it breaks or something like that uh, versus a sword that is going to be much more robust and you're likely not going to lose it. Um, seems like it's kind of a, uh, frivolous expenditure of money for kind of the one shot plus one stuff. Don't you think? Um, could be, um, I could see having like a handful of them for, you know, VIP targets or whatnot. And you just being like, okay, um, I'll just put in like a, a magic bullet or something and then do an extra 2d8 or 2d6 or whatever um but yeah i, I mean i'm not surprised that it exists but it, it it certainly is like a niche need yeah and i, I don't think you're wrong I, I would say that um there are some targets that you want to have magical ammunition for even if it's not um, regular targets, you know, something that takes a magical weapon to hit, 
you know, it makes sense to have a few. But um, I, it just seems like if it's going to be the same money, that that's, that's an awful lot to spend on magical ammunition that may be gone after one use. Um, uh, I guess ultimately it depends on how it was enchanted. Like if it's meant for damage or maybe it's like a bullet of returning or something like every time you fire it it returns back to the chamber or something oh. <laughs> um so let's see oh um that was also a huge point of contention and i don't know how fifth edition addresses it because i haven't looked um so in second edition there were magical ammunition like plus one plus two arrows whatever um, but you also had uh, magical bows, and so the argument that uh, I always ended up in with my uh, player characters was, does a magical bow impart the arrow that it shoots with um, the ability to hit creatures that need magical uh, magical ammunition to hit? And as a DM, I always ruled no, um, because the plus one bow increased your accuracy and shot it hard enough to do extra damage, but it didn't impart magic onto the, onto the ammunition that it shot. If you wanted it to penetrate, if you wanted that, you had to have the, the magical arrows or whatever. Um... And then, but it seemed like I was in this uh, controversy every time that there was somebody with a magic bow in the group. Um, but that's how that's always how I um, rationalized it. Uh, although I did uh, create a magic item that did just that; it did not impart magical bonus to hit or damage, but every arrow fired out of it could strike creatures that required a magical. Uh, a magical weapon to hit. And that was a, that was a very coveted item in my game. Hmm. So, um, anyway, so I, I don't know the, I don't know the ruling in fifth edition, uh, how that works, but, I, uh, it makes sense to me that it works that way, it, it, that it would work similarly, but I haven't looked it up. Um, uh, I don't know how it works either, but I would assume if it's a magical bow, then it's um, a modifier to hit. And if it's a magical arrow, it's a modifier to damage. And then you just combine the two to then get the full benefits of everything, or you just have one or the other. Well, I, I think that uh, magical ammunition is a modifier to hit and damage. It could be. I I don't know. I'm... I just sling Eldritch Blasts from my fingers. <laughs> I don't well, you don't have, have to worry about it. I don't have any physical ammunition, though. Um, okay, so, um, yeah, that's kind of how we filled the um, majority of the game. Then, over the last, mm, I don't know, half hour, 20 minutes, or whatever, uh, we put together a big party. And did, so at Spare Parts, we invited 
just about everyone we knew. Um, not quite everyone. Um, but, um, and we ended up ordering pizza and noodles and, um, ice cream. (laughs) I think those were the three most prominent things. Um, let's see. Uh, so, uh, Dagda, uh, Lars got Dagda out of house arrest. Um, and she was able to come to the party. Um, and then, um, mask talked to Gorko, right. And, um, revealed that, uh, they were changeling. Yes. Um, let's see. And then, uh, so Dagda hung out with Lars most of the night, night, uh, Tabane, um, you were, I think the description was wallflower. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I didn't really know where to insert myself in like the party and like all the shopping or whatever. I was just like, I just kind of existed. So the fact that Teddy said like during the party that, um, he had the insight to know that Tabani is more of like a wallflower, you know, just kind of hanging around, observing, you know, not really doing much, which is perfectly fine because that's exactly how I saw Tabani. That's, you know, how I probably would have said it myself if he asked what Tabani was doing is. And I was like, I'm like, I don't know. I'm just, she's just kind of there. She's hanging around, not doing much. So yeah, she was just wallflower being observer, having a couple drink or two or three. And Portia was, uh, chatting up the Lassites, um, and, um, Farron and Lady Lassite ended up, I think, retiring with Portia for the evening. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And then, um, uh, when <laughs> I think Prue said when she went up to bed, she used a silence spell to get some sleep. Um, and then let's see. Um, you hit on Lady Omarin. Yes, um, I did. Uh, I was kind of planning on doing it. I was going to be like, yeah, maybe, maybe not. But then I got a a sneaky little message from you in the background saying like, so do it. It was essentially like, do it, hit on her. Yeah, okay. All right. (laughs) Nothing ventured. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. So I'm like, yeah, all right. you know, I was on the fence about it, but you just were like the... To, not to be mean, but you were like the little devil on my shoulder saying like, do it. I'm, um, I'm fine with that description. <laughs> <laughs> so I did. Um, she politely turned me down. Sad face. Um, uh, which was, I kind of was expecting anyways. Uh, and then uh, this was interesting. So um, I told you Lars got Dagger out of house arrest. They ended up kind of spending most of the evening together, but uh, Dagra was reading Lars like children's stories that were about uh, Sindric, uh, just but they were pointed like they were um, they they all had a meaning to them and uh, some substance to them, uh, some truth. So makes me wonder if now Lars is going to get like advantage on certain like history roles or something like that as we go through this. You know, speaking of getting knowledge, it's something we forgot, um, is Mask made an insight check at one point, 
and he crit, and it was enough to have Teddy DM mask over Discord the information. And so none of us know what that information is except him and Teddy. Uh, but yes, there there was something that happened that nobody knows. Whether it's good or bad, I don't know. But from uh, from mass reading it and then typing it in chat, it was pretty spicy. Hmm. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Huh. So, um, and then we kind of hit time, right? Yep, that was pretty much it. Uh, yep, that was about it. So, um, do we need to cover anything else? Uh, there wasn't a lick of combat. No. Well, in fairness, Teddy said he had an encounter planned for us. But uh, I think that <laughs> um, getting um, Richter scales and the um, crazy RV kind of um, put the kibosh on that. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, I thought I'd play a little uh, Zeppelin rambling on for a ramble on for uh, or the outro uh, this time around since uh, we're about ready to go rambling through the forest. Um, so anything else from you, man? No, that's that's all I got. All right, well, much appreciated for taking the time, and um, we will chat with you later. Yeah. Yep. See ya. All right, man. Take care.